and welcome to the Convex Conversation with me, broadcaster Helen Fosbera. 25 years ago, a young hatmaker secured a loan from the Prince's Trust to realise her dream of opening her own atelier. Last month, milliner Jess Collett joined millions up and down the country and indeed around the world as she watched the King's coronation from her sofa, grateful for the help the Prince's Trust had given all those years earlier. However, as well as enjoying the pomp and ceremony Britain does so well, Jess was taking more interest than most in some of the guests, as she spotted some of her designs in the congregation, including a beautiful red couture hat she designed for Samantha Cameron. She also had a special interest in the Princess of Wales and Princess Charlotte, whose stunning headpieces featuring three-dimensional leaf embroidery were made by Jess in collaboration with Alexander McQueen. And although naturally we can't talk specifically about Jess's special commission for the Princess of Wales, it received much admiration and praise. Jess designs for rock stars and royalty alike. Her clients include Tandy Newton, Helena Bonham Carter, Madonna and Princess Eugenie. And she's been featured in all of the top fashion magazines. But she's passionate about making gorgeous hats accessible to all of us. And with Royal Ascot fast approaching, I'm at her studio in the heart of London's Notting Hill. Jess, I brought takeout coffee so that I can tempt you to take a well-earned break while we record this podcast. Just give me a flavour of how busy you are right now. Well, I have emerged from under a pile of pens and straws and ribbons and flowers and all sorts of other manner of trims that I can think of that people like to wear to Ascot. As an event like Ascot looms, do you suddenly get busier and, and busier with people suddenly realising they need something special to wear? All milliners, incredibly busy time of the year. Some people are organised, but most come last minute. And we just have these nimble fingers that keep on stitching away through the night. Unfortunately, the elves do not exist <laughs> in my world. I wish they did. But it's busy and it's challenging, but it's also incredible to see all the designs out there. And it's wonderful because everyone's wearing hats. I know, it's such a hat occasion. And of course, Ladies' Day in particular. Are you making anything particularly extravagant this year? Because Ladies' Day is always an excuse, isn't it, for people to go a little bit more over the top and be a bit more flamboyant and daring and I'm wanting to be seen, I suppose, in what they're wearing. Some are daring and flamboyant, but my main aim is really to make the person who's come to have a commission made feel their best, feel elegant, feel confident, and also feel comfortable in what they're wearing. Because I think if you have someone who has got a creation on their head that they don't feel comfortable in or a bit awkward underneath it, you can tell. And then that doesn't bring the best out of the hat or the person, I don't think. So yeah, my main aim is to make the wearer feel fabulous. Looking back, I've been a massive fan of hats all my life. I think I suit hats, which is nice. My mum always you said do. you suit hats. Well, you know, because I've worn your hats and, and actually borrowed one of your beautiful hats for a garden party for Bernardo's at Buckingham Palace, which was lovely, but also had one of your early trilbies, your felt trilbies, and definitely going to order a summer well traveller, which is great. But it was my nan who gave me the love of hats. And she just said that it made her feel lovely. And you've always loved them, haven't you? I have. My mum said that I asked for my first hat when I was five, I think. But it really came from dressing up. I suppose when I delved into the dressing up box and put on an outfit, 
when you put on the hat, you feel that you can assume that character and be that character and that can take you places or wherever you want to go. So for me, the hat is the cherry on the top and the final piece, which makes you really feel who you want to be. Because I think hats can transport how you feel about yourself. If you're wearing a hat that you love, you feel confident, you hold yourself in a different way. This is what it's like for me anyway. They actually give me confidence. Yeah, they give me confidence too. And, and when you come into the studio, I get really excited about looking around and you know, lots of coloured ribbons and feathers and different shapes and fabrics. And do you think some of that love came from growing up and your mum? Because she was an upholsterer, wasn't she, mum? Yeah, yeah. She was an upholsterer and a dressmaker. And I was ill a lot as a child because I had asthma. And when I was in bed, she taught me how to do tapestry and hand sew. So I suppose that's where the love of sewing comes from. And I think it's also therapeutic to sew. It's meditative because you're not actually thinking about anything. You're just sewing. So I suppose it's relaxing as and, well. And then do. what was the point, Jess, in, in life where you thought, actually, I'd like to make a career out of this? I don't think there was ever any doubt in my mind. I had a hat party when I was seven. I've always loved sewing and being practical and making things come to life. So I thought about going to university and I think I even got myself in to Bristol Poly as it was then. And when it came to it, I suddenly realized, what am I doing? I can't even write essays. I'm going to hate it. I'm, I'm going to find this so difficult. So I think at that point, I really thought about it and said to myself, what do you want to do? And so I just went to a milliner in London and said, please, can I come and work for you? I know how to sew, but I really want to do this. And, you know, she said, yes. So I was an apprentice after I left school for two years with Edwina Ibbots, and that's how it started. And did you enjoy that time? Was that a really lovely, creative two years with her? Yeah, she taught me everything. She taught me all the skills, and she learned all of the old craft I mean, she learned from Philip Somerville, who was very big in the 80s. And I think he made the Princess of Wales's hats. And so she taught me all of those old traditional skills which have been passed down through the generations of hat makers, of which I hope to pass down as well to other people trying to learn, because I think it's really important in this day and age. It's important to me that the skills do get passed down because it's precious. It feels like it's with all the technology kind of rising around us that these crafts are endangered almost. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I do feel a bit like that. No, I think you're right. This goes back hundreds of years, doesn't it, hat making? And, and it would be a shame if those skills didn't exist anymore. I mean, even the block makers who, if you think my studio's messy, they literally are under a pile of dust. But I don't know if anyone's going to want to do that anymore because it's such hard work. You know, their fathers did it and they passed it on. When you talk to young people today, they don't really want to do that sort of thing. They'd rather go into technology. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I hear. There's nobody who wants to take on those manual hard jobs. What are the block makers? The block makers sounds like happy families, doesn't it? <laughs> it does actually. <laughs> the block makers make the wooden blocks and they carve them from wood, from beech wood. It's like sculpt, sculpt, sculpture. Yeah, sculpture. Yeah, they're, yeah, they really are beautiful. Um, and they also make the, the blocks out of aluminium. But the process in which they do it is really fascinating if you go there because it's just, 
not how you would imagine it. It's very manual. And then do you keep those for years, Jess? I mean, I'm looking at one now that's a solid piece of wood, isn't it? Do you have kind of treasured blocks that last a lifetime? Yeah, well, I know lots of people have them as decoration in their house because basically they're the form of the hat, but only in wood. So yeah, they make good what do you call them treasures to have around you antique antique just nice to kind of touch and look at really i think what's lovely when you say about your atelier being messy it does not messy to me at all i feel like a child when i come and see you here it feels like a dressing up box and it feels like you kind of have this magic i mean we were just trying some hats on before we started the podcast and you've got different colored ribbons and you can just put it around a hat and, and bring it to life and see whether it suits or not I know it's a business, Jess, and I'm sure there's a lot of stress that comes with having your own business and property and and a team. But is there a lot of pleasure from putting these designs together and really seeing them come to life? I feel so grateful every day. I'm so grateful for doing this job. I absolutely love it. I enjoy picking out the ribbons and making exactly creating something and then being able to stitch it together and bring it to life and and making the wearer feel that I've made exactly what they wanted. It's sort of like problem solving as you're going along, like how can I bend this feather? How can I contract this fabric to do this, to make that shape? And I guess it is, it's having a material and then your creativity is bringing it to life. So yeah, I really love this job and there obviously are difficult bits to it, but (laughs) I try and delegate those bits. (laughs) But also I think you're very good at seeing the person. I think you're a real people person. I mean, we've known each other a long time. I suppose I'll fess up now. Our kids were at primary school together, so (laughs) we've had many playground conversations, but I think you know people and that's important, isn't it? Because as you say, there's no point putting some incredible creation on somebody's head who isn't going to feel confident with it. the, the, The idea is to bring out that person's character and make them feel special. I suppose because I have so much pleasure from wearing a hat, I want somebody else to have that pleasure. So that's really what I'm trying to give them through my skill is happiness in a hat. Happiness in a hat. Well, I I can say that definitely works. And these days you've got, I suppose, used to a a little bit of seeing your designs on television. I remember watching Harry and Meghan's wedding, actually, and there was some commentary. And then I realised that it must have been a fashion commentator. And then they were saying, and that's another hat by Jess Collette. I was like, oh, yes. I was kind of (laughs) jumping up and down on the sofa, all excited to see your designs. But just take us back to the coronation. I mean, what was that like for you, Jess? Where were you? And I'm presumably on your sofa at home. What was it like watching that unfold, particularly knowing that your business was really helped along the way by the Prince's Trust. It was completely thrilling to see them come out. I'd been working so hard on them and I wanted them to be the best that they could ever be. So I hadn't really thought about what the occasion was. So when they finally arrived, because I thought, oh no, she's broken her ankle or something. (laughs) I just went, wow. You couldn't ask for better models, really. They really know how to wear a hat. And Charlotte looked so sweet, the whole outfit. I think that's it. It's not just about the hat. It's about the outfit and about making the person feel amazing. And once those three things all come together, then you've hit the sweet spot. And I think you can see people glow. 
Did you realise the enormity of the occasion? Because as I said in the introduction, it wasn't just millions of us in Britain. I mean, the coronation was watched globally, Jess, and in many ways, your work was kind of centre stage. No, I really, I did not think about that at all. I just wanted to make the best headpiece I could make. No, I didn't think about that. But afterwards, obviously, I had so many lovely comments and emails and texts. And, you know, it was it was a really, I felt really, mm, I suppose, how did I feel? I felt, I felt like, yes, this is it. This is how it feels to really have just made something really good. I don't really know how to explain it. I just, I, it was like I'd waited all my hat life for that one moment, I think. <laughs> waiting all your hat life for that moment was just incredible. Can you describe what it was actually made of? We've said embroidered leaf, but is it fabric? I couldn't kind of work it out because it almost looked like a crown or a tiara kind of look about it. But I had no idea how you'd crafted it. Well, it was amazing to work with such artisans, you know, from Alexander McQueen, because you know what it's like to work with people at the top of their game. It's just incredible. It was just embroidered on both sides. It was a leaf created from wire, and then it was embroidered on both sides so that it looked good from all angles, because that's another thing that you have to take into account with hats. And yeah, I just sort of formed it together and do ideas like that come easy to you Jess or are you sometimes over with pencils and paper for a long time do some things like that just really flow and you have a vision or do you pour over things for hours and hours I'm actually less pencil and paper I'm not that good at drawing <laughs> and so I'm more of a hands-on cut you know, bend, you just got to go for it. And then if it doesn't work first time, then you just try again or you bend it. There's a lot of problem solving and covering up mistakes or beautiful mistakes in something like millinery. Well, I find that anyway. You know, you might do something and then that wasn't your intention, but that may lead to something better or greater or you start again. So it's definitely a process. Sometimes the best things, I think, always just flow through you and come out. It's a feeling. You feel something's going to be right and then you just go with it. I, that's the only way I can explain it. But I do labor over things a lot as well. It's not all like that. I can really, you know, I've thrown things out. I've thrown hats out of the window <laughs> before <laughs> because I just, I'm tearing my hair out. So it's not all easy, easy, easy. And do you feel in a way you're indebted to the Prince's Trust for believing in you a quarter of a century ago? Gosh, that sounds a long time. Let's say 25 years, a quarter of a century sounds a long time. But, yeah. but was it a big help? <gasps> in, in my those, grave soon. You know, how did it help you in those early days? Well, to have the you know, as you say, the support and the belief in yourself. I just went and the reason I, I asked them was because I had no idea about business and I needed some materials and it costs a lot to get these blocks made. The grant that I received went on blocks and hat stands and also I had a mentor who helped me set up my account system. So really it helped me on my way. And I remember taking my sample hats because you had to take your samples with you and talk to some of the people, the representatives of the Prince's Trust. I suppose maybe they just saw the passion in me then that I still 
have and that has grown. So yeah, it's people like that. And also my mum, who has always helped me. And I think everyone around me has always bought my hats or anyone who's bought a hat or given me something to help me along my way, I think has given me the momentum to keep on going. There's never been anything else that I've wanted to do. I've thought there have been times when it's really hard and I've gone, oh God, can I do another, you know, can I get through another year of struggle? (laughs) And then I just thought, no, no, this is it. I love it. I know I love doing it. I know that this is the only thing I can do. So I guess I feel like I've been clinging onto the rock long enough. (laughs) I'm still there and now I'm just reaching up over the top. Oh, and hopefully now your designs have been seen by the world and hopefully... I know it isn't important to you necessarily who wears in terms of celebrities because you're just passionate about actually making beautiful hats for everybody. But I would imagine business-wise, having a higher profile helps. Totally, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. It's an amazing way of spreading the word when it's on the head of someone who's being seen by lots of people, yeah. whoever well, it may be. Samantha Cameron was seen by lots of people. She was in the congregation at the coronation, former Prime Minister David Cameron's wife. And also she runs her own fashion brand, doesn't she? I never know how to pronounce it. Sefan? Sefan. 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 Which isn't yeah. a very far away from your studio here. Did you come up with that design together, given Samantha's sort of background in design? Yes. Yeah, we did. She brought her dress that she would like to wear, that she thought she was going to wear. And we tried on some shapes and we chose the one that suited her style and her face shape and made her feel comfortable. The red, because it's quite a statement to wear a red hat, but it really suited her hair color and the dress. Red was just really the only color that went. So, And I think maybe she felt in a safe pair of hands. So she just felt confident in the choices that we made together. I think collaborating on a design is always, I don't know, I really enjoy it. I enjoy collaborating a lot. And I suppose that's what you're doing with each client who comes in. You're collaborating because you're getting their input and your input. And then some people just want for you to say, this suits you. And you just say, yeah, this one, this one's the one for you. But some people enjoy the collaboration and I do too. So it takes you places when you collaborate. And was it quite an exciting moment when you watched her walk into the Abbey and you saw how beautiful yes, she looked? Yes, it's always exciting to see your hat on the telly. It is. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's fair enough. Or on the carriage. I can't wait to have one in the, you know, the carriage at Ascot, or Royal Ascot, when they come down in the carriages. That's pretty cool. I think I may have, I actually have had one. I think Eugenie wore one once and that was pretty thrilling as well. Yeah, she's a big fan of your hats, isn't she? And Pippa Middleton and lots yes, of famous I people. I know, I haven't really thought, you know, you don't really, when you're the same as you, you know, you don't really think about all of that. You're just in your, <laughs> in your art and making it. But I suppose when you put them all together, you go, oh yeah, maybe, yes. Yeah, yeah there have been And Madonna has one of your hats too. <laughs> How did that come about, Jess? Actually, can I say Maple Walk? You can, <laughs> Maple Walk you can. connection. Maple Walk is is our children's primary school that none yeah. of our children are at anymore. But yes, no. you can. Yeah, a Maple Walk connection. And I know Madonna loves hats, so I was asked to make her something. So I did. So you whipped up something. What yeah. kind of something did you it whip was, up for Madonna? Uh, it was one of my snappy Jackson Panamas because she's cool, Madonna, and she's got attitude. It's the same shape that you have ah. in your felt hat, but... They're kind of a bit cool and edgy. There's something about them. 
So I gave her that in a Panama straw with a colourful band. And yeah, she rocked that. God, I could imagine she rocked that. And that must have been exciting to see yeah, that. I think that was one of my first hats to be worn by someone really famous. Yeah. Give us a sense of the hats themselves, Jess. I mean, I kind of know them inside out. I'm a massive fan of your felt trilbies, which is the first hat I bought from you. And things like the World Traveller, which is also a, a real classic Jess hat, isn't it? Just give our listeners a flavour of those sort of classic pieces you make as well. I think they're accessible because I also... Although I love making creations, I, I love wearing hats every day. And so these two hats are practical and also have a little bit of style on them as well. So the world traveler is the sun hat and that's everyone loves that because it's a bit more durable and you can fold it and it can spring back into shape like you've just wafted off, you know, off a yacht. I think it's practicality because it's practicality and elegance and something that makes you feel good. I think people feel good in them. That's why they like them. But mostly they like them because they fold up. And then you've got the raffia one that's got the, which I like, which has got the fringing on the edge. Now that's great for beach wear, but you can make it look more formal, can't you? If it's for the beach, you perhaps put a raffia pom-pom on. And if it's slightly more formal, you can do a ribbon. I mean, they're very versatile, aren't they? I sort of instinctively have a sense of maybe the different characters that hats bring to a person like the raffia one is baby ball boho or there's the bee one which is more city chic or so it's it's trying to think of all of the different characters i suppose that one might be and then make the hat to fit those sorts of characters. And you do a, talking about wearing every day, for winter you also do a lovely, fun little beret, don't you? Oh yeah, the berets, the berets with the pom-poms. I love the beret because I ride a scooter and so it keeps me warm in the winter. So hang on, does that go under your helmet? Or do you mean, oh, you mean a... Yeah, well, I, not it's a, a removable pom-pom. So, oh, a push scooter. You know, uh, but it's an electric one. Oh, I, I don't vision. ride on the pavements, I swear. <laughs> Visions of you on a scooter where you're supposed to be wearing a helmet, but because you're a milliner, yeah. you've got a pom pom beret on. <laughs> so I did have one that I put it over my bike helmet. I'm not sure about the bike helmet look, so I put the beret over the top with the pom pom, and that was my helmet. And that's fun because you've to make that in lots of different colours, don't yes. you? It feels to me like you just simply having fun with that beret. Yeah, colours actually make me feel really happy and they really can change my mood. So I think people come to me because I've got lots of different colours. I do lots of colours in lots of different hats. I think that's the attraction. I know many people wear neutrals and they're the ones that maybe sell, but there are a lot of people who do enjoy colour and without colour, life would be so boring. Oh God, I may be one of those neutral ones now, thinking <laughs> about my mink hat. And <laughs> yeah, but you've got a little bit of snake going around the side, haven't you, on yeah, that, on that actually, mink Actually, I have. Hat. But yes, I have got a little bit of snake going around the side. But also my hair colour is quite lively, I think. So I think yeah. the neutrals work, having the splash of colour with my hair, I think. I think that the style of that hat is pretty edgy anyway so I wouldn't call that boring you have colours that suit you I think you're right because I wouldn't wear like a particularly a splashy red but then that probably wouldn't suit me and I probably suit those yeah. neutrals and yeah. perhaps that's to do with having quite a bright hair colour or yeah, shade of eyes right. or whatever. The neutrals are good, but maybe you can have the removable pom-pom in the colour. That's yeah. what. It's, it's about people being brave yes. with colour 
I don't. And having yeah. a twist, as you say, my Chilby has got a little bit of snakeskin around it, hasn't it? Yeah, Which it's gives fake it, snakeskin. Yeah, fake, just way. in case anybody's, <laughs> anybody's listening there. Can you give me an example, Jess, of maybe one of the most extravagant creations you've ever made? What I really enjoy doing is taking a material and making it work into a hat. So I guess I took some plastic spiky grass that you know that you put in your garden, I guess, and I made that into a hat. And what else? I've taken wood. I've made wood veneer. I've cut that into little squares and made a sort of artichokey looking hat and fiber optics. I've made hats that light up. I haven't made one out of metal yet, but I'm sure that will come. But I, I think that's the challenge is making hats out of an extraordinary fabric and seeing how that works. Because I reckon even a black plastic bag, if you're wearing it in the right way, I'm sure it could look good. It's just about how you wear it. I know and how that it's if styled. It, I definitely know that if it started to rain now and and I hadn't got a hat with me, I normally got a hat. I've always got something in my bag. I like little beanie hats as well. I I am a hat person, um, but I know that if there's one person in Notting Hill who could tie that black plastic bag on my head and make it look fashionable and stylish, that would definitely be you. A big bow, a big yeah, like bow. That I think so. I could feel confident. I remember when I went to Buckingham Palace, which sounds very flash. I've never been to a garden party in my life, but I'm an ambassador for the children's charity Bernardo's. And I went to Buckingham Palace with a fellow ambassador, the actor Neil Stook. And I came to you and you lent me the most beautiful, large, I mean, extravagant for me, very large straw hat. And I felt a million dollars in it, Jess. It just brought my whole dress to life. I had such a fun day and so many compliments on the hat. But yet the hat didn't overtake, if you like. Mm. It just made me feel confident. That's the thing, to not let the hat wear you, to actually feel that your whole outfit has pulled together and you get the compliments. The compliments come rolling in because you can't beat a compliment. If someone says to you, 10 people come up to you and say, wow, I love your hat or wow, you look amazing. You just feel so good. That's and you, really and, nice. And, and it really, you think, oh, it's like my soul feels good now. Exactly. My, well, soul's yeah, my soul definitely felt good. Now, the other thing I really like on your hats is the beadwork that you use sometimes. Where's your beading from? Well, I try to use craftspeople from all over the world. So on my World Traveller, I used some beautifully made beaded bands by a company in Tanzania called Sidai. And they have, you know, a network of women that come down and they sit in their HQ, the Sidai HQ, and they bead these beautiful, incredible pieces. And they're all made from, even the strings is created from, you know, rolling sacks, stripping the sacks and rolling the rolling between their hands to make cords. And then they're all beaded. And I just think that they're amazing. I love going to countries and discovering their techniques and their craftsmen and their artisanship because they need to be used. And that's what I love to do is to find these and try and put them on my hats to help breed craft and making. And because I don't want to lose that. It's important to me because I think it's human to do that. We are creative and there are amazing things out there to be discovered in all countries. 
Oh, I think so too. I went to Africa for the first time last year. I can't believe I've never been to Africa. I fell in love with Lewa in Kenya and I went with the charity Tusk, the conservation charity Tusk. And we met some beading ladies who Tusk have basically transformed them into entrepreneurs mm. and they are now selling their beautiful beadwork all around the world and therefore helping bring money into their villages and helping in turn then build schools for their children and buy food. And it's extraordinary. The work that they do is absolutely breathtaking. And to watch mm. them at work, Jess, there's nothing quite like that, is there? No, they're incredible. And really beautiful souls as well. Funny, big smiles, and they obviously enjoy it. And the community, it creates a, you know, because they're all there beading together. And I love that. Do you get much time to travel? No. No. <laughs> I wish I did. It's on my list of things to do. Now, I feel that the company is growing a bit and maybe I can delegate some jobs and then I can go and travel to other places to discover. I mean, I've done that now with my friend. I have creative friends kind of all over the world and they tell me, oh, you should do this or do that. And then we work it that way, which is technology is brilliant for that. But I definitely would love to do a bit more traveling. Well, it, and also the kids are older now, so. Yeah. It would also be nice, though, to go traveling where, you know, two countries that have lots of beautiful fabrics and colors and perhaps bring some of those materials or ribbons or whatever they are back yeah. here. There are amazing things in places like India, aren't there, where yeah. colors come to life and they're known for their fabrics. Yeah. And their embroidery. Yeah. The embroidery, incredible. And your mum must have been so proud to see what you've done, I'm guessing, knowing that you were perhaps inspired by her as a young child. She enjoyed seeing the business grow in those early days. Yeah, because I think she would have done the same thing if, if she were me, because, you know, it was different in those days. Mum stayed at home and they looked after us. She ran an incredible home for us all and making our clothes and creating like dens and all, you know, do you know what I mean? Everything practical with your hands, doing the flowers in church, all of that kind of stuff. So I think if she'd been me in this day and age, she probably would be doing the same thing. So just ending on Ascot, because I'm going to let you go in a second, because I know how busy you are at the minute. Is there a look particularly this year for Ascot or does it not really work like that? She says, having been once many years ago as a journalist, but I don't really know a lot about the races. I think fashions come and go and obviously people buy what's out there. And at the moment, I would say the long silhouettes, the long dresses, block colours, I think big brims, people are moving towards the less fascinatory things. And I think Kate wears is always a, a tick. And I think people are, after COVID, I think people, this is the first year I feel people are really like, yes, come on, let's go and enjoy our lives, go out and dress up and do all of these things. Because I think it's been pretty horrendous for a lot of people over the last few years. And I feel like we're coming out the other side. You don't hear that word too much these days. I don't think we really had the confidence to do that, did we? For a while, it was like, oh, we're out now. We're not in lockdown anymore. But we're never sure whether there's going to be something else around the corner. And 
perhaps you're right. Perhaps that confidence is is coming mm. now that, hey, let's get out there again. Let's travel again. Let's do some fun things. But I'm very excited that you said wide brims. I've never been much of a fascinator person myself. I like a big brim. Maybe it's because yeah. I like something to kind of peep from under. Maybe hide. I'm a bit shy and I can <laughs> hide under it sometimes. I don't know. I've never tried a fascinator, but I'm much more fond of the bigger hats. So it's good to know that those are back in fashion. And as you say, I mean, anything Kate wears or indeed Princess Charlotte. I think she's a wonderful little fashion icon now, isn't she? I in know. A, well, in look, her own right. She'll have to wait a few years till she's allowed to go. But <laughs> Yes, exactly. I think you can go when you're 17 or 18, 17 or 60. I can't remember. She's certainly your youngest client. <laughs> yeah, something like she that. is actually. I hadn't thought about that. Apart from dressing up my own children. <laughs> yes, but but I suppose the highest profile youngest child. Yes. What a great start in life to be wearing one of your headpieces. I'm going to let you get on. What does the rest of your day hold? Are you sewing? Are you stitching, seeing clients, managing the team, doing a bit of social media, probably filming, accounting, doing my receipts when I can. Anything that a sole business person knows what they have to do. Oh, and your new logo went up yesterday, I noticed. You've got a new logo outside. Yes, I know. I'm so, again, using artisanship with the hand-painted sign. He was so cool. And he actually said that he had loads more work. People are moving away from the decal plastic things and going back to hand-painted signs. So it's a new wave of artisanship, I hope, coming coming in the world. Well, I'm right behind you with all that Jess it's been so lovely to catch up and see you again and uh, you are actually only around the corner from me so if it's all right with you I shall pop in with another takeaway coffee and have a social catch up next time and don't forget Jack's cookie (laughs) oh and Jack my son sent you a cookie didn't he he's 14 now so he's grown a lot since you last saw him it was delicious Jack good he'll be very happy you he made it actually for his sister who's just back from university but when he found out i was seeing you today he's like, oh take jess one of my cookies so uh, actually that was good it stopped your stomach rumbling mine always rumbles throughout <laughs> a podcast but yours hasn't so that's cool you've been listening to milliner jess collette taking a short break from the pressures of making stunning hats and fascinators for the races at ascot you'll see some of her designs on tv especially i'm guessing on ladies day download and subscribe to our series at convex.podbean.com or search the convex conversation on spotify stitcher apple and google podcasts or wherever you listen to yours i'll be back next week with another great guest so join me then 